Hey everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. This is a show where I sit down with amazing humans and I do everything I can to unlock their brain with the goal of helping you live your dreams in career, hobby, and life. The guest today is the one and only Amber Ray. Her second time on the show, the first time we talked about her book called Choose Wonder Over Worry. Today we are inviting her to share a completely new chapter in her life. Uh, reorientation around her work, her values, and specifically a new book called The Answers Are Within You. It's an unreal conversation. Uh, and believe me, she has been in the New York Times today, Self, Fortune, Forbes, Entrepreneur. Her writing has been everywhere and for good reason. We cover things in this episode like how to relate our internal world to how we show up for ourselves in the real world. Four steps, for example, that she went through in taking an entire break from social media. If you wondered if that's a good thing for you to do, to put the pencil down for a little bit and take a breather. The concepts of discipline versus commitment, how creative processes are seasonal and how to understand those. The nonlinear path the nature rather of personal growth. It's not always forward. We sometimes have to take a step back and most importantly, how to not die with the gifts that you have inside of you. It's an incredible episode. I will get out of the way and let you enjoy yours truly with Amber Ray. Hey, before we get into the show, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Creative Live. Creative Live is the best online platform for creative entrepreneur and freelance learning, hands down. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, a Creative Life subscription includes access to more than 2,000 classes in art, photography, filmmaking, design, business, entrepreneurship, and more. And those classes are taught by the world's top experts, people who have won Pulitzer Prizes, people who have won Grammys, Oscars, uh, Emmys, you name it. It's where the best and the best go to teach. Now, since day one, Creative Live has always been committed to streaming content for free for those who can't afford the subscription that gives you access to all 2,000 classes. So in 2021, Creative Live doubled down and launched a free program for, for those who could not afford it. That free program is called Back to Biz, and that helps specifically small businesses, entrepreneurs, and freelancers come back from economic challenges presented over the past two years of the pandemic. That free content is available if you want to check that out at creativelive.com slash back to biz. That's B-A-C-K-T-O-B-I-Z, creativelive.com slash back to biz. So check it out and let's get back into the show. Amber Ray, so great to have you back. Welcome back to the show for your second time. We're thrilled that you're with us. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. It's been a minute. You were one of our first um, first audio only recordings super early on in pandemic life 1.0. I don't know what life we're on now, maybe three three or 4.0. <laughs> but it's nice to, to have you on and see your face. Um, how are you doing? Tell me what's the latest. I am. It's good to see your face as well. Also, I, I was it's funny. I was coming onto this thinking we were audio only. And about 45 minutes ago, I was like, wait, this is video. And I was like walking around in a robe, drinking my tea. And I was like, okay, I gotta get ready. Oh, I love it. 
And I just moved into a new place in Topanga um, in California. And so I've got boxes everywhere. But as you can see, I'm sort of in this this wooden cabin um, next to a creek. So I'm in a place of I'm in a place of feeling peaceful and present. Nice. Well, despite the the chaos of the world. (laughs) Right. Right. And so you are in L.A. now and that means you've moved. Mm -hmm. I also saw on social media that uh, a year ago you made a post where you were going to take a break. Uh, and during all of this time, you've been writing an incredible book called The Answers Are Within, You, and it seems like all of those things are related. Now, before Mm. we get into The Answers Are Within Us, Within You being the title of the book, for the handful of people who either didn't see your first show uh, here on our, or the first, yeah, the first time we had you on the show, uh, or who may not be familiar with your work, why don't you start off by orienting us in the universe of uh, how you describe yourself, your work, and what your folks and interests are right now. Great. Um, I'm an author, an artist, and a speaker. My first book was called Choose Wonder Over Worry. I've been a long time. How I got into this was I'm, I'm more of a memoirist and a writer, and I started a blog 15 years ago sharing the vulnerabilities and truths about my life, not realizing that anyone would care. And suddenly people I I sort of accidentally built this community of people saying, wow, thank you for putting words to the things that I've been feeling and experiencing. And I realized that my gift was really being able to put language to the human experience. And so I do that through my writing. I do that through illustrations. I do that when I'm on stage. And uh, and yeah, so... That's that's my work. What I'm I'm so deeply passionate about emotions and our internal experience and um, how we relate to our internal world and how we really come home to ourselves. And you know, I, I think in this last year, I've been going through a whole process of of kind of destroying what was no longer aligned and in full integrity and in a process of rebuilding. And so I I really realized that a lot of what I create. Um, I'm creating for me too. And so I'm, I'm creating things that I, that I hope bring clarity and hope and, and joy and a sense of presence and peace to our lives. That is, if not, if, if not everybody's seeking that, I think that's the thing that everybody should seek alignment, <laughs> peace, connection, uh, vitality, <laughs> you know, some of the other words that you used. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I love your work going back to choose wonder over worry, uh, an amazing book that, uh, I think the subhead really helps us understand it too, which was move beyond mm. beyond fear and doubt to unlock your full potential. So that is essentially a shorthand for what this particular show is about. So that you have been through a new process since your last book personally, and that you've written about, um, again, understanding the answers are inside of us. I would like to start off today's conversation uh, around the the new area of focus for you is how did you discover that there was this lack of alignment? Because right now, someone who's listening to this as they're jogging down the trail or sitting in traffic or on the subway or wherever they listen to shows or watch them, they're saying, I'm, I don't feel perfectly aligned. I'm not sure what alignment feels like, or I know I am totally out of whack. And then we've hooked those people, but how did you, realize that there was sort of some sort of disconnect in either your value system or in that what was this, what were the signals that you needed to make some changes yeah 
something just felt off, to be honest, and I couldn't put my finger on what. And it was like something, it was like I no longer fit in my clothes in a way. And so I, my process was I sort of evaluated every part of my life. I looked at the way that I create community, the way that I create content online. And that I, you know, I asked myself, does this like bring me joy? Is this feeling aligned? Is this feeling an integrity? Is this feeling authentic? And I realized that with, you know, social media and content creation, here I was a writer and artist that suddenly was a media company and was trying to turn out so much content every week so that I don't lose my following on Instagram. And if they change the algorithm, you know, there was like, I started to create from a place of fear and scarcity rather than from a place of power, abundance and, and truth. And so that's what actually led me to do a pause on social media because I thought, hmm, I realized I stopped asking the question of what do I have to say with the things I was creating? And I started asking the question, what does my audience want from me? Which I, I think, you know, can be healthy to like, what does the audience want and need and how can you meet that? But I, but I'd almost lost touch with my origin as, as a memoirist and a, and a truth teller. And so, you know, I took the pause on social media and then I looked at where I was living and I was li- living in New York City and in New York, I had been, wa- I'd wanted to leave there for many years. And I just began to slowly, you know, reevaluate every part of my life to the point where I realized that most areas of my life were out of alignment and needed some changes. Mm. How, and so, how do you do that without like shattering everything? Because you're talking about dismantling, I, like, okay, career, mm, audience, mm, how I spend my time, where I live. Like, oh, like, is it possible to do know, that without blowing the whole building up? You know, I wish I, I could. For me, I, there had been moments in my life where it was like, oh, yeah, this is this part of my business does not feel I'm trying to think of an example like oh, I don't want to do online courses anymore. It's not, you know, it doesn't feel, so I'm going to stop that side of my business and try this. Um, I think there's, you know, small ways to do it. And then sometimes life requires you to blow it up. Mine over the last year happened to be more of a blow up. Um, Not to say that finding alignment has to be this this big thing. I think it can be in the small decisions we make every day. Mm. It can be what is the morning practice that is going to have me feel centered and present with myself. What is, you know, when I find myself in anger or defensiveness, how can I respond from a place of, of presence and non-reaction? Like, I think it's like the smallest little moments um, we can begin to align of like, what would, um, you know, what is my, how would my highest self respond to this? Or how would, what does it look like to embody my values and embody my integrity moment by moment? So I think it comes in our daily small decisions. For me, it just kind of came in more of a, a life, a life revamp. <laughs> Good, uh, a, a restart. So I have pulled up the post that you spoke of, where you took a, uh, a break, and I'd like to read a piece of it and get maybe sure. it, we can dig one level deeper. It says, "Hi, lovelies. I'm signing off social media for some time to focus on my creativity. My next book." the first cohort of creative alchemy after 10 plus years of consistent writing and sharing on the internet i've wild in uh parentheses i've noticed that the pressure i place on myself to keep up on instagram and quote come up with new content ideas is taking me away from accessing the depth of writing and creativity that yearns to come through me as magical as this platform can be and as grateful as i am to this community to keep seeing a visual tombstone in my mind that says Amber Ray's mm. time well spent, thousands of hours 
posts or and posts on Instagram. And that visual just doesn't sit well with me. So I'm taking a break to reevaluate the way I create, share, and cultivate community. So first of all, incredibly uh, self-aware and brave uh, thing to put out there in the world, which as you articulated earlier, you see yourself as a truth teller. And obviously that sounds like the truth, right? When we hear the truth, it just sounds yeah. a, a little different. Um, yeah. So you said in the post why you made that judgment and that call. How did it affect you? Well, I wrote the book and finished the book in two months. Um, so that was helpful. It, I think, you know, life and, and even the title of this book, The Answers Are Within You, there is so much noise in modern life. There is the news, the pandemic, the the fear, the there is, you know, everywhere we turn, there is noise and there is angst and there is worry and there is just so much um, that is not ours. And so I've, I was finding that social media was yet another, another layer of noise. And in that layer of noise, I was, I think, operating from here, trying to keep up with this hamster wheel of Instagram content. And, you know, my content comes from a much deeper place. And so what came through was, I think, truths that I was pushing beneath the surface. And so in that place of quiet, not only was I able to complete this body of work and guide, I ended up guiding 80, I think it was 85 creators to birth their own creative work um, alongside that. But some truths about my life, I was in a marriage that I completed last, uh, last May, some truths about my life that I was really afraid to admit to myself and terrified to name as truth, um, I think bubbled to the surface because I finally gave myself the space of quiet and listening. How fast after you turned off the, or turned the volume way down on the noise, I don't know if we can ever turn it off, but how long after, what was that process like? How long after was there some light bulbs going off? Was there some fear in that when, because I know when I turn all that stuff off, there's a, an immediate sort of like, uh, bzz, like something's missing, what's missing? And, you know, wow. it's sort of like all the best stuff is on the other side of that uncomfortable feeling or on boredom or on when you realize that I don't have all these things stimulating my neurology. How long for, can you describe the process? And then how long mm -hmm. until you sort of started recognizing that this is a thing, this is good for me and I'm going to extract value and like lean into these, these feelings that are, and the space that I've created. Yeah. I think st if I were to put it in stages, which I'm going to attempt to do right now, thinking out loud. All right. Real time. <laughs> I love it. I think the first stage was fear and fear was, oh my God, I'm going to lose my people. They're going to be mad at me. What if I um, you know, what if I create this thing and then they don't want it because I'm not creating content, you know, there was like all of that fear based thinking. Then I think there was the stage two was withdrawal, withdrawal, which was, I had all these dependencies, you know, when I post something and something goes viral, like, you know, I think a part of me is like, Oh, I don't care about those things. But like, no, that does something to you. It makes you feel something. It makes you feel like your worth is, your work is important and worthy. And so it was, you know, being really honest about where am I, as Brene Brown talks about, hustling for my self-worth and where am I depending on these different platforms to give me a sense of, of enoughness and a sense of my work being worthy. Um, 
side note, but I have a friend who is an artist and he creates bodies of work over years of time. And it's so funny to me because he's like, social media, what? He, and he, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm working on this one idea and one project for years and no one is going to see it until like I'm ready to show it to the world. He's not capturing his process. He's not bringing people into his world. He's not updating what it feels like to, you know, he's just like, he's just like so in it. And I think there's something so admirable about that um, because it's, it's, he doesn't need that external validation. He doesn't need that external approval. And so it was like in that withdrawal period, I think it went into a space of stage three would be like self-honesty of, you know, why am I doing this? And where is this coming from? Actually, one of the concepts in the book was inspired by this, but am I doing this for love or from love? Am I doing this for power or from power? Am I doing this for joy or from joy? For, you know, validation or from self-validation? And I, you know, I think that's where the assessment process really began for me that like started at this Connect, relationship with social media and a community, but then I realized it was permeating in other areas of my life. Mm. And so I think once that self-honesty stage came up, the next stage was was deep listening. Um, I've been an avid journaler for most of my life. And, you know, it's funny. I always know the periods when I'm not journaling are actually when I need it the most. <laughs> and I'm hiding from and resisting something. <laughs> And so, you know, I think I, for months I wasn't writing. And then on the other side of, of this, of this ride, pen to paper, I started putting pen to paper and, you know, once I tell myself the honest truth, it's hard to unsee and unknow it. And so I think, you know, that was like January, February, I think I started to, to see some things and know some things about my life that, that needed to shift. And does this come to you in the form? I'm trying to get a little specific here because I think this, yeah. this, this tactically speaking is something that is so valuable. This being honest with oneself, the uh, trying to understand what you truly stand for. You mentioned earlier mm -hmm. briefly your why, and this can be a very you know, simultaneously, obviously very powerful process, but also a very disjointing one. And so for the mm. people who are listening and watching, we have to give we have to give us some hope that the the upside is worth the pain that it goes through to yeah. to yeah. be self-aware or become self-aware or take take the time. So can you give a testimonial for yeah. Yeah. for the, <laughs> the the ROI of going to an uncomfortable place? I'm so glad you brought that up. Um well, I'll say on the other side of the most intense, transformative, difficult, terrifying, yet beautiful year of my life, I have never felt more alive. I have never felt more present, more peaceful, more in my body, more in integrity with the truth of who I am than any other moment in my life. And so, you know, I, I think for me, that was big sweeping life changes over the last year. But I also know the relief that has come when I've said no to an opportunity that's not fully aligned. And then the door that opens to find and discover something else that's more true. Like I also know the like relief that comes from having a difficult conversation with a loved one or a partner or a friend that maybe I'm avoiding because it's uncomfortable. 
but you know, learning to shift my relationship to conflict um, and have that hard conversation actually ultimately leads to more intimacy and closeness. And so I think when we're talking about alignment and integrity here, integrity is, are you showing up? Um, are you doing what you say you're going to do? And are you showing up in alignment with what you value? And then I think, you know, alignment is like living integrity. And so, um, you know, I think the, the ROI of it is, is, is living courageously, truthfully, authentically, and, and really like, I, I feel like I'm, the word almost isn't proud, but I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Like you're, you're, you're like, like before it was like, I felt like sometimes Julia Cameron talks about this in her book, The Artist's Way, how they're like these spiritual checks, like did it again, did it again. And like your spiritual self is kind of like, oh, you know, I like didn't have the hard conversation or like, you know, had a third glass of wine instead of doing my writing or like whatever it is for you, those things that the ways that we avoid. Um, and like, for me, I've had a new checklist and that checklist is like, I did it. I did it. I did it. I did the hard thing. I had the hard conversation. I spoke the truth and there's nothing more powerful than that. It's almost like there's a, in your book, which I want to get to your new one, the answers are within you, which is incredible, by the way, congratulations. Like, and I'll just one comment on the format. It's basically a set of sort of small ideas and aphorisms uh, that I found myself at first when I picked up the book, reading front to back as one does mm -hmm. a book, got tons of value because of the way that you laid it out. But since then, and in revisiting the work for in advance for our conversation today, just going from you know topic to topic and the way you've outlined them in the beginning, I can literally like jump to the section called, you know, mining for inner treasure as an example. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so I want to commend you on, you know, taking a, a chance with the format. I think it's really cool and invites, you know, both the, the longer journey and also sort of a maintenance, like little tune-ups along the way, which is how I've used it. Um, but in doing the piece that you talked about this, um, understanding, uh, you know, what truth feels like or what it feels like to you when you say the truth, it seems like there's a bit of a, like a contract that you've made with yourself. And, mm. and again, these are my words, not yours to be fair, but I'm trying to understand what I felt like in reading it. And it's mostly in hearing you say that last point about like every time I made a decision that was in line with who I've put on paper and the concept I have with myself like so some sort of momentum or inertia. Now, I realize mm -hmm. these are my words, but I'm hoping you can respond to those. Is there some way that this is like you've made a deal with yourself and how, if this is accurate, how is this different than discipline? I had the discipline to do the 20 pushups today mm -hmm. or whatever, because discipline and mm -hmm. sort of alignment, they can sometimes, you know, uh, butt heads. So, or feel uh, unsafe or, or painful. So how would you respond to, is it a contract? And if so, how is it different than discipline? What does it feel like in the body? Cause I know that's a, a thing you write extensively about. Right. I, you know, I haven't, I actually like the word contract. I hadn't thought about it previously that way, but it is, it's almost like I've written this contract with myself that I will live the truth of who I am. I will choose courage over comfort and truth over harmony. 
I feel like is is signed Amber Ray. <laughs> <laughs> and like even when it's uncomfortable and terrifying and uncertain, I will still lean into courage and truth. Like that that does somewhere inside of me, I made that contract with myself, um, made that vow with myself, maybe is a word that feels uh, more true for me. Um, and I, you know, I think on the difference between discipline and I'd say commitment, I think discipline sometimes, at least my experience of it, this might not be everyone's experience of it. Discipline, I think, is like doing for doing sake. I think discipline can get caught up in unnecessary suffering. I think discipline can get caught up in the like the task based thinking rather than the why based thinking. Whereas like if I make a commitment to honor and take care of my body, that like seasonally could change. Um, but if my discipline is I have to do 50 push-ups, I don't know. It, it like for me that feels a little bit uh, constraining. Mm. I'd rather be like, okay, I'm committed to honoring my body and taking care of it. What does that look like for me in this season? And how can I do it in a way that feels like I'm honoring myself and not like over pushing myself? I've recently I'm obsessed with something called the class by uh, I don't know if you've heard of the class. It's like this spiritual um, boot camp type thing, but it like it combines mental, emotional, and of, of course physical. It's like incredibly physical. But you'll be like doing your seventeenth burpee, <laughs> and they'll be like, "What is the inner critic saying right now? You know, like where is your mind? Come back to your breath." And so it's like this, you know, it's a whole rant. But like, um, you know, I think we can find through our commitments, we can find the 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 practices that move our soul and i think ultimately i'm always wanting to be moved by the things that i do and create and so um i don't know commitment and a vow feels more just from a language perspective inviting than like discipline and um but you know that word might work for someone else yeah no i i, I find it interesting and and oftentimes semantics can align us or sort of, you know, get our wires crossed. And I, I like how you put the, 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 com the word commitment and being committed to something that's a higher idea rather than just the task, because we often then can get overwhelmed individual task versus the higher order thinking of what does my body need right now? You said something that I yeah. want to dive in aside from, um, I just spent 10 seconds talking about the class, which you, you're talking about is an, it's an <laughs> online streaming service that combines basically meditation and movement in some way, shape or form. Is that, is that a reasonable assessment? Yeah. Of it? yeah. You can, yeah, you go to the class.com and check it out. So it's interesting to know that you, you care about that. Um, sidebar over. Uh, <laughs> so you used a word that I want to keep pulling on this thread and, um, it's related to discipline and this sort of awareness, the higher, the why to use your, your, your word. And that is the seasons. You talked about seasons. Mm. Um, this has come up in for so many guests on the show. And ironically, whether it comes from the seasons of, you know, the year, fall, winter, summer, spring, we feel differently. It's dark at, you know, whatever, four o'clock in the afternoon here in Seattle this time yeah. of year. So you just can't do as much. And, and, you know, you can feel how winter feels different than summer. And for, you know, we've had world-class athletes on the show and there's the season where their sport is happening and then there's the right. off season. So whether you're thinking about seasons in, in either of those uh, contexts, 
what do you mean by season? I think there's a lot in there that is, is valuable. So can you, can you talk more about that? Yeah. Seasons. Um, when I'm creating and in a new body of work, that becomes that season. That becomes the thing that I'm devoted to. And it really, you know, I think the, the biggest shift for me happened in my creative process when I stopped thinking that I'm making the thing and I realized that the thing is making me. Mm. And so we are in this symbiotic rela- relationship. We are in this creative dance. And as much as I'm like, I want to get, you know, a thousand words written today. I always at, like, as I was writing, the answers are within you. I'll ask the work, like what wants to come through you? Or when I couldn't figure out how to structure this book and I had thousands of pieces of art on my floor and I was banging my head against, um, against the door. Finally, I, I thought I like turned to the book and I was like, how do you want to be structured? And it, this might sound crazy because you're like, does your, do, do they talk back to you? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, whether it's my voice, I don't know, it's like the, the book's voice, but I think when I'm so in my mind of this is the way it needs to go and this is how it needs to be done, that I don't take a step back and, and try to get a different perspective. And so when I take a step back and I'm like, how does the book want to be structured? Not how do I, Amber, think the book needs to be structured? How does the book want to be structured? It instantly came to me that the book actually wants to be more of an oracle book. And the, you know, the book wants to be something that you can grab and open to any page and let that be the piece of wisdom that's meant for you. And so I'm, you know, ranting away from the idea of seasons, but I think seasonality to me is about the full immersion in whatever has my attention then. Mm. And sometimes I think seasons can match and mirror the seasons of nature. But I also think like the season for me over the last nine months of my life, which, okay, maybe I was birthing a new baby. Maybe I was rebirthing myself (laughs) was a season of like, um, you know, total reconstruction. And so that required me somehow in the midst of this total reconstruction, it was like divorce, launched a book moved to a new place. It was a little, I felt a little bit like a crazy person um, running around. It was like all of the most stressful life things happening at the same time. But I, I think because I, I realized that this isn't forever, this is a season and this is going to be a very uncomfortable and perhaps stressful season, but it's going to be one of full reconstruction. And so I think for me, the simple act of labeling the season that I'm in allows me to feel a greater sense, like less powerlessness and a greater sense of control. Mm. and distance like there's healthy distance in it so that this is to me there's so much packed in here like this <laughs> but i mean it's obviously it's the reason that you said you wrote them once you actually made some of those changes you're able to write the book in two months and that's sort of this idea of when you tap in and the spigot is on you just you know leaning into that thing and that is whether that's a flow state or whatever you call it, I find that having, you know, had lots of guests here on the show or 12 years in, but mostly talking to people in our community that there's so much resistance in our lives. And we, what we ought to be looking for is the things that are blocking us and trying to remove those blockers, which is, I think you use the word, alignment right it's like once you can mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it's sort of like you line up the the 
puzzle pieces and then the ball can roll downhill really really quickly and it's that so everyone time every time you click something into place and it feels right you're you're we're getting further towards that that season when things are can just flow to to this i ask is this what you're talking about is it intuition are you listening to mm-hmm. to to a voice that's already there or are you mm-hmm. cultivating new words from inside you or some hybrid talk to me I, it's i love that you're having me put language to things that i like don't know if i have language for <laughs> i'm going to try no but this is your um, your book makes me think of all these yeah. things you know it's like how do yeah. how do we hone this i i do think it is intuition and i think like the example of me thinking what the structure of the book would should be is not me operating from intuition. That's me operating from a mental construct and me being much more in my head. Whereas when I'm asking the book, how do you want to be structured? It is I'm tapping into that deeper, wiser, intuitive voice that says, why don't you try this? And so I do think that a lot of like, even the seasonality, when does the season start? When does the season end? Like, a lot of this we can't know. So, so much of my process is actually listening to my body, mm. is listening to um, like there. there's a knowing that's deep within that if I create the space to pause and listen and ask, an answer will come. I've been doing these um, journaling workshops and in, in these workshops, I ask people really hard questions like, what are you avoiding and why? Or um, what truth are you afraid to admit to yourself or, um, you know, things like that. And people again and again keep saying, like, I didn't know these answers were already within me. Like the biggest shock in this process is that I already know. I'm just not creating the space to listen. Mm. And so I think, um, you know, I think that speaks to the idea that like sometimes in five minutes I'll know, like, is this. I'll, whatever the question is, I'll ask. And then whatever comes up, like learning to trust that, which to your point, it's cultivating mm. your relationship with your intuition. Because I think like for a lot of people, I know that they're like, how do I trust it? Or, um, you know, and I think it's like little by little is noticing the the intuitive sense acting on it. And when you act on it, then it's almost as if intuition's like, oh, okay, I'm safe here. Mm we can begin to have this trusted relationship. And then what I've noticed is that intuition begins to speak more. Try this, go there, reach out to this person. Um, what if you did it this way? And that's, and that's me sort of dancing with, with intuition in the creative process. Mm, I love that. I'm, I'm, one of my favorite pieces in the book is discerning fear from intuition, which is uh, mm. 84, I think. I'm, if I'm 84, 85. I'm going to read a quote that feels exactly in line with what you just said. Intuition feels like a clear knowing felt deep within. Intuition isn't focused on the past or the future. It's the intent of the present. It may come in the form of a quiet, gentle whisper or a hunch felt in the body. Other times it may shout no to get your attention, signal danger, or help you avoid making misaligned decision. To access the wisdom of your intuition, consider the question that's in your heart. Does this choice feel contracting or expansive? Does saying yes cause me to feel delight or dread? If money wasn't a consideration, would I still say yes? So I I just, those are, those are huge, uh, like truth unlockers, right? You can't, it's very difficult to lie to yourself. And it's like, how does this feel expansive or contractive? 
So are, are, you know, is, is this a prescription that you would, um, write for someone who's trying to find, to, to hone this thing that I'm obsessed with intuition is, is, do you like to get there through, through those questions or how else would you steer our listeners? Yeah, I think it, it, the examples that are coming up, I had a girlfriend who was going in for, you know, this big interview with someone, everything that looked great on paper. And I said to her before she went into the interview, watch your body language when you're in there and notice like, <clears throat> is there anything that happens like, <clears throat> like I just did um, as an example, like, is there anything happening in your throat when you speak? Are you noticing yourself K forward? Or are you like opening with delight and excitement? Are you feeling a genuine connection with the other people? Like just pay attention to not just like, do they want me and are they going to choose me? Um, But pay attention to your body language in the conversation. Mm. And she came out of it and she was like, that was crazy because one, I thought myself to be an intuitive person, but I actually was not as like, I was so in touch with my body and noticing things of like, whoa, I'm like super caving forward right now when they talk about this piece. Or I'm like suddenly crossing my shoulders and she's like, you know, I think realizing that her body had instinctual responses, intuitive responses to things helped her be more in touch with how she actually felt about, you know, and it ended up, it wasn't what she wanted. It was what she thought she wanted, <laughs> um, which is, I think, you know, oftentimes a, a big, a big choice point for us. Yeah. And so I think, you know, one way to get in touch is to like practice listening to your body in a conversation. Are you contracting? Are you expanding? Are you listening to a song and it gives you goosebumps or does a conversation give you goosebumps? Because I think those are all signs that our intuition is speaking. Um, So, yeah, so I think those are those questions are good unlocks and just like, I think, begin a like simple practice of noticing. This is part of the beauty of your book. And again, we're talking about your latest book called The Answers Are Within You. Congratulations. It's beautifully illustrated Thank as you. well. Um, and this, the beauty and I think power in the work is that it gives us actual f- frameworks. You know, a lot of, you know, this type of material asks big questions, but doesn't give you vectors for how to access it. <laughs> like, mm. and you're, it's very, um, it's actionable without being, you know, too prescriptive. And there's a bunch of different ways that I think different different, um, different approaches for different people. There's this intuition piece, which I'm obsessed with and listening. And if you, you know, might not have access to that part of yourself yet, then there's this list of questions that you can ask, which, oh, okay, I can go to the list of questions. How does this make you feel expanded or contracted? And, you know, even the, the, the scientist would be able to say, okay, I understand. <laughs> okay. Now what is a feeling? Okay. I definitely feel less good now than before I started asking myself these questions. So I'm, I'm certainly uncomfortable. So for, I just wanted to comment and say congratulations on finding again, this, mm. this formula that I, I think is, is part of the, the power in the work. And, uh, you know, that I'm referencing the book here makes me want to um, dig into another section here. I'd like to scroll to it and, uh, and ask you a couple questions. And it's okay. most of this stuff, Again, I love the organizational structure where you've got the contents is broken into a handful of smaller questions that are allowed to, to explore these things. So we've talked about you know sections about having hard conversations, for example. Uh, we've talked about um, letting go. We've talked a little bit about 
you know, energy and discerning, you know, the one I highlighted just a moment ago, discerning fear from intuition. Talk to us about triggers. There's a, a handful of times you talk about triggers, you talk about an, um, um, both the inner critic, you know, being important and not, not being the enemy, but so showing up or listening when those triggers are happening and the difference between the inner critic and triggers, but just as a, as a, as a method for us understanding we're onto something and, you know, that being a trigger, I'm wondering if you can just talk to, to us about triggers in our lives and you talk about it in the book, but I thought you could share something about that here. Yeah, great. So triggers are anything that creates a reaction in you. You're in a conversation, someone says something and all of a sudden you feel yourself activated or defensive, like you're triggered or um, someone sends you an email and like, again, it's, it's that arising reaction just for in case anyone's like, wait, what, when am I triggered? Um, and for me, my perspective on triggers is that they are some of our greatest teachers because they show us the places within ourselves that we are not yet healed. Mm. And so if I, um, you know, and a trigger could be my mind spinning an old story about not enoughness because of an interaction with someone that would be, I'm in a triggered state and I'm in a triggered anxious state. And my mind is spinning with a false story that I'm telling myself or, you know, an old wound that I'm thinking might be true. And so, um, you know, in those moments, instead of, I think how we respond to moments of being triggered is really important because we can either shame ourselves, we can make ourselves wrong. We can say, um, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I shouldn't be reacting this way is one way we can respond. Another way we can respond is we can project. We can, I'm not being defensive. I'm not mad. Like, you know, we can like, react to the other person and point the finger at them rather than owning our own responsibility and saying, I'm feeling triggered right now, or I'm having a reaction about this, or something's coming up for me. Or the last thing what we can do, which I was just describing is like, we can have compassion for ourselves and we can own our stuff. And so I think like what's, what's key there is the idea of like, I think why we don't own our stuff is because we shame ourselves for having the reaction. And when we can have the moment of like, I'm human, I'm having a human moment, I'm triggered. I think it makes it much easier to say, I'm noticing myself feel really defensive about this. I don't need, and we don't always have to know why. Like I've, I've had conversations with people who are like, well, I don't like know how to express in the moment that I'm triggered. I'm like, just say I'm triggered and I don't know why, <laughs> you know, because what that does is it like, <clears throat> it, 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 instead of it becoming like, let's say I'm in an interaction with uh, my mom and she says something, I'm upset. Then I become defensive and cold. And then we have a whole moment, you know, like that's one way that that could play out. Or she could say something and say, you know, what? something's coming up for me around this. I think I need a minute to sit with it. I'm noticing see myself be like a little activated. She'd be like, okay. You know, like that's a place where I'm taking responsibility for my, um, what I'm experiencing in that moment rather than reacting to her in this whole like dynamic playing out. Mm. And so, um, and I think then, you know, we get a moment of, of self-reflection of like, what was that about? Like what old story was that touching? Or what was the story I was telling myself in that moment when that was coming up? Um, but I think there's like the in the moment response and then the post uh, opportunity of reflection. Mm. And then the last would be then coming, you know, having the full circle moment with the other party, let's say someone close to us of like, here's what's, what's coming up for me in that moment. 
um, you know, here's what that touched um, and, and being able to own our, our part in that rather than being in a cycle of blaming others. Excellent. Awesome. 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 Perfect segue <laughs> into something that I, I, no, it's literally, it's perfect. It's almost like we script, we, we planned this another favorite, be strong, not tough. Mm. It's a piece of the book. And I just thinking about you're having mm-hmm. this sort of conversation, you know, it's about having tough conversations about recognizing your state in this moment and just pause here. Hey, everybody, if you want to get good at life, if you want to have good relationships, if you want to get good at deciding what you need in any moment and helping your body, yourself, your mind, your heart, get those things like this is the language of those things. And I don't know anyone who's been on the show who is a high achiever and also simultaneously is fulfilled because there are people who are just high achievers <laughs> that are not fulfilled, which is hell, hell. Like, right. This is the language that these people use. So if you, you I'm in, instructing our listeners to pay very close attention to this shit. It matters deeply. So, uh, strong, not tough. Say more. This, this came from a lot of my conversations with men actually. Mm. And, um, I talk, I like, I've spoke at high schools and talked to teenage boys and, um, also just like did work with men of all ages, but <clears throat> there's basically this belief to like, be, you know, be a tough guy and there's, you know, don't feel your feelings, don't show emotion, be tough, like smile and like, you know, get through. It was a lot of the patterning and conditioning that I was hearing. And uh, even from, you know, when I spoke with women and men, even, you know, men were like, but when I actually am vulnerable, sometimes like the woman doesn't like, like there's, there's so much story in our society about men actually opening up and being vulnerable and like this, this need of, of toughness. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not a a man, so I can't speak on that behalf, but like the idea that came through and the idea that I found to be helpful in these conversations was the idea of strength versus toughness. And so toughness would be saying, I'm fine, you know, like I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good. When actually like on the inside, you're totally not fine and not good. Whereas like that would be toughness, like I'm going to act tough and act like everything's okay. Whereas strength would be like, you know what, I'm actually feeling something right now or something's coming up for me, whether you know what you're feeling or not, just being able to verbalize and name that and own your experience um, allows you to like A, be in touch with your human experience and have a a moment of vulnerability and connection with another. So that would be one example. Mm -hmm. Or um Acting tough would be, you know, keeping all of your challenges and burdens to yourself because you don't want to, you know, bring anyone down. It's like, oh, if I if I share what's really going on in my life, um, it'll be too much for this person. I think that's a kind of toughness that can also not only be toxic to ourselves, but toxic toxic to our relationships because we're not inviting people in to be able to support us. We're not allowing ourselves to receive help. Whereas strength would be realizing that by asking, you know, for help, that takes courage. And by asking for help, um, people often want to help. And so when we create the invitation, that again, creates more opportunities for, for, for connection and meaning. Talk more on toxicity, because that's a theme that is woven loosely <clears throat> through the book as well. Um, share with us some thoughts there. In terms of toxicity, you know, I think that there are, like, I'll think, like, the difference between um, perfectionism, which, like, I'd say toxic perfectionism and healthy striving. 
could be an example. Like I think with anything, there is the there is the the healthy and unhealthy or the healthy versus toxic way of of approaching it. So everything I think has a spectrum. And the toxic to me is the shutting down, the avoiding, the um, denying, the repressing, the um, the pushing away and not allowing yourself to be in the experience of. Um, so like toxic perfectionism is the false belief that um, if I do X, I'll be worthy of love. You know, whereas like healthy striving is I'm lovable no matter what. And yet I want to like create to my highest excellence or, you know, toxic perfectionism could be that mistakes mean I'm not enough. Whereas healthy striving might mean mistakes mean that I'm learning and growing and like, yay, I made a mistake. Now I know it doesn't work. So I'm one step closer to what does. So a lot of times it's just like the mindset and the perspective that we hold, which I understand is very, very deep. Like there, I'm, I'm deep in therapy this year. Woo. <laughs> I am doing like EMDR, like I'm like going to places where I was like, oh, I did not know that was there. <laughs> uh, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things. And so like, to like recognize where these core beliefs come from, you know, it's, 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 it's a journey. And so a lot of these sort of unconscious ways we move through the world are rooted in these stories that we learned at a very young age, like, you know, I'm not worthy unless I'm achieving or whatever it is. And so, um, but I think anytime we're hitting something that's, that's toxic is when it is, um, damaging to our being and our minds and souls. You talked about work and you, you just mentioned therapy, um, in order to set expectations, maybe that, that don't reach this toxic level, because if, you know, if, you know, the kindness and kindness to oneself versus, you know, only striving, the thought that I have is I get frustrated when I'm on a journey to try and understand more about, you know, what is this story I've been telling myself or why, mm -hmm. you know, why is this behavior recurring? And even though it doesn't serve me, um, my expectation is that it gets better every day. And that if I started this process to today, I'm better than yesterday and tomorrow I'm going to be better than today. And, and there's a fantastic piece that you touch on in the book about trusting a non linear path. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am not good at this. If I lift weights one day and lift the next day, I better be stronger because otherwise, why did I lift weights yesterday? And obviously lifting weights is a metaphorical uh, here, but please help us understand when you, in, in, in Amber Way's universe, what is this, what is this nonlinear path of which you speak and how can we trust it? Because it feels, it violates my concept of, progress. Right, right. Well, where this idea stemmed from, a little bit different than lifting weights, but where this stemmed from is I kept having um, people come to me, particularly after I would give a talk and be like, you know, I was in marketing and then I went into photography and now I'm making murals and now I'm like, like, am I like lost and confused and don't know what I'm doing with my life? And so a lot of people who are making these life course shifts, there was a sense of um, like distrust and not a sense of ease around the transitions they made in their life. 
even though like often what I found interesting is people was like, I was so called to do this, but like, shouldn't I not do that because of X, Y, Z, and this is what I had done before. And so, you know, it was the idea that like life is not linear. Life is not here to here. And I know exactly what's going to get done. I think we, you know, a lot of us grew up with this false expectation. You know, our parents' generation, people did have careers for 40 years. Now I like, you know, we hop around, we try new things. Like it's, you know, it's much more curiosity based. And so it's, it's really encouraging people to like trust in that nonlinear path and like to trust in curiosity you know, more than fear, as Elizabeth Gilbert would say, or wonder more than worry. And like, if you feel called or curious to try something, like try it on no matter what your past or history is. When I worked with Seth Godin many years ago, he talked about the law of sunk costs a lot. And he would, it was, it was amazing. Every day he had like a new lesson for us. And um, one of the lessons, you know, he gave this example of someone who had like gone to medical school for a really long time. And then three months before graduation was like, um, I want to start a nonprofit. And, you know, um, most people might say, well, you've gone this far and spent this much money, um, you know, get your medical degree. And the law of sunk costs would say like, if you're very clear, you do not want to be a doctor and have no desire to ever do that, like go start the nonprofit. And so I think there's a little bit of that, which is like the energy time that we put into things that we create up until this moment. Sometimes we overconsider. We overconsider our past when we are actually in a new present moment. And if we make decisions instead, not from all the past, but from like what is most aligned and true today, um, I think we might sometimes make different decisions that are, are more aligned for us and in, in our truth and, and what we're ultimately here to create. Amazing. <laughs> this feels a little bit like therapy for me. I love it. I'm great, grateful <laughs> for the time here. You're speaking, you're speaking to everybody, but that might just be speaking to me a little bit more than, uh, um, I want to close our conversation with an idea that uh, is terrifying to me personally and in talking to so many other people that inspire me and in, um, you know, the science is actually clear with when you speak to people who are on their deathbeds and Mm. they, they, you know, pursued a life that was scripted by others rather than scripted by themselves and mm. did not, you know, this is the number one regret for the dying. And mm-hmm. there's a section of the book where you talk about don't die with your gifts still inside to me, which is like seriously, probably my biggest fear. And mm. you know it, that particular uh, part of the book references a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Todd Henry, um, and he's also been a guest on the show, but it, I just, I find, and Todd's book was called die empty. Yours is, you know, this, this section don't die with your gifts still inside. And I couldn't help, but think this is a fitting way for us, us to wrap up mm. our conversation because it's sort of an exclamation point. You've just, you know, mm. for us to go full circle in our conversation here, you opened up with saying this was the most you know transformational and transitory like year of your life. You, you know, changed the relationship. You, you know, moved across the country. You stopped doing the thing that was driving all of your work, which was just posting regularly on social media. You know, <laughs> so, you know, it's just say, to say that you've um, 
done hard work in a in a in a transition presumably these things are so that you do not die with your gifts inside yeah. but talk to us mm-hmm. a little bit about that concept because i think nobody everyone who's listening rather instead of i'll i'll say it in the positive rather than the negative everyone who's listening I believe understands that they have value, inherent value Mm -hmm. to themselves, to the world, just not, you don't need permission to be alive. Just existing is enough. But this idea of we have something inside of us to contribute, whether that's making one person happy or 10 million or Mm -hmm. so sort of try and put a bow on our conversation here with this idea of not dying with our most valuable gifts inside and the courage that it takes to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll start with a quick story, which is that where this idea even came to me and really even started haunting me was um, when I was 12 years old, my, well, when I was three, my dad got into a car accident. He was driving under the influence. Unfortunately, he was young in his early twenties. He went to Nashville to follow his dream of being a musician And in the midst of following his dream, he got caught up in his own bullshit and really wasn't facing his own stuff. And as a result of that, got behind the wheel of a car under the influence and died with his gift still inside. And so he ended up, you know, being in a coma and a vegetative. It was like a, a whole thing from when I was three into when I was 12. But when he did finally pass when I was 12 years old, the there was a, a deep sense of relief for me, but there was also a sense of kind of like rage and disappointment of he had so much to give, but he got in his own way. And like, because my mom would describe him as like the most, I didn't get to really know him, the most brilliant man she had, you know, ever known, so creative and entrepreneurial and like all of these things, but like just could not get out of his own way. And so, you know, I think that's when really the idea of like, I know there are gifts inside of me too. I do not want to die with my gifts still inside where that came from. And so it's interesting that I've had, because I end my talks with this and I've, I've had people come to me crying after a talk and be like, I'm dying with my gifts still inside. Like, you know, what do I do? And I, and I think I realized that while this, this message can be motivating, it can also create enormous pressure. And I think it it's remembering that we are the gift and our presence and our being is enough. And the way we move through the world and interact with others and show up and express ourselves is the gift that we get to give each day. And so it's like, it, it doesn't mean you have to like birth some world changing movement. It's like, is who you're being in the world and the gift that you are representative of how you want to live? And so I, I think I would, you know, I think that's the place to start. And that's the place from when you're moving from that place and operating from that place of, of embodiment and truth, what comes through you, I think will be extraordinary. Mm. <laughs> no better way to put a bow on our conversation. <laughs> Congrats again uh, for those listening. We've been talking at length here about your latest book called The Answers Are Within You, 108 Keys to Unlock Your Mind, Body, and Soul. Congratulations. It's spectacular. I've commented on the structure. The, also, it's just beautiful. The the um, illustrations throughout, super... Um, I found them like really 
calming and it put I'm a visual person so mm -hmm. it put a little visual mm -hmm. visual language on uh the words uh excellent book highly recommended and our audience as I've shared with you in the past is very good at supporting the authors and the mm -hmm people and, and, and picked up their books. So we will rally around you and your work. Thank you. Congratulations thank you. on all of the life change and, um, and thank you for putting it in, in writing so that we can learn from your mistakes uh, and your wisdom. So thank you so much thank for being you, on the show. You. What's the place outside of going to the book and, uh, and, and, you know, purchasing the book either from a local bookstore or Amazon, wherever, is there any other other spot where you would point our listeners to in order to support you and your work or to learn more? I'm, I'm still making things on Instagram. So that hasn't totally gone away, but it's just a little bit more sparse. That's Hey Amber Ray. Um, I also have a free journaling guide on my website. Um, if you go to, I actually think it's the link in my Instagram bio, but also at amberay.com, I'll send you the link. But it's if you want to begin your journaling practice, I share my three top methods. Um, so you can get that and then that'll get you on my newsletter, which is, um, more regular content. So I think those would be the way. And, and just thank you for having me. I love this show so mm. much. I'm always so inspired by the interviews. And so it's, it's an honor to be here. Oh, uh, you're a superstar human. Grateful for your time. Thank you for sharing everything with us today. And until next time, uh, to you, Amber, and to everyone else out there listening, I bid you all adieu. All right, that's all for today's show. But hey, before you go, I want to say thank you for listening and also for engaging with the platform. Wherever you consume the show, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere, thank you so much. Reviews help a ton if you're willing to. And I want you to let you know in an effort to continue the topics we explore here on the show, or if you have questions, you can always direct your comments to me on all my social feeds. I'm at Chase Jarvis everywhere, but also... I will see your message quicker if you shoot me a text. That's right. I can text directly with you. The best way is to hit me up at 206-309-5177. I get a lot of texts, so I can't always get back to you right in the moment. But trust me, those are my thumbs on the other end of the keyboard. So I want to say thanks so much, and I look forward to engaging with you soon.